Hey everyone, it's been said that every quilt tells a story and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Nate Gleasoner was one of the podcasters that had a segment on the Christian Podcasters Association Hope Collaboration this past Good Friday. I have been enjoying her podcast, Letters from Home. Hope you have the opportunity to listen to it also. You can find her podcast at https colon slash slash lettersfromhomepodcast.com. When she isn't busy with her eight children, her podcast, and her other responsibilities, she also makes quilts. Meg, thank you so much for being on A Quilter's Life. Paula, thank you for having me. You're so sweet, and I've enjoyed your stories. Who doesn't need to be exposed to the wonderful world of quilting and the special, mostly ladies who are involved in that area? Thank you. Let's go ahead and get started with your background. Where were you born? I was born in Memphis, Tennessee in 66. I'm 53. And I have eight kids and we live in Seattle. Our oldest is almost 30 and we're about to hit year 31 of marriage. So I feel extremely blessed. Um, yeah, I started, started life out in Memphis, Tennessee, where my parents met and we were mostly raised in Southern California. We, you know, we moved out there. My my parents got divorced young. They got married because of pregnancy. So there was a lot of uh, not getting along in their marriage. So when they divorced, I was five years old, and they had four kids together. So then it was kind of, you know, like back and forth with this parent and that parent living with my mom, trying to be a single mom. And she got married, and I have new brothers and sisters, and they were gone, you know. So I kind of call it my California a pinball childhood, bouncing from house to house. Yeah. I think I went to an elementary school. Wow. Yeah. And and there was alcoholism and some other things that really weren't that fun. Mm-hmm. Add to the mix of childhood. But both of my parents have a love for games and words and things like that so I you know learned to to play games and stuff growing up I mean I didn't learn to sew or anything (laughs) I learned zero in the department of art you know when I see women who are so incredibly talented I don't really put myself in that category it's something I'm learning to acquire as an adult as a kid I learned to play pinball and pool and ping pong and sports but didn't know how to cook a meal, make a dinner, sew a button, you know, any of the, the traditional girly kind of things. Mm-hmm. Make, do you have a special childhood memory? Oh, thank you for asking, Paula. I do. I, I really had a rough childhood. And, you know, when there's alcoholism and abuse and you're back and forth to different parents and there's a lot of broken relationships. I got to go to Tennessee in the summers and visit both sets of grandparents 
beloved grandparents, Howard and Ruth Handwerker and Bill and Pauline Stewart, beloved grandparents, you know, where I was, I was born in Tennessee, like I said earlier, and I had the best time in their homes. We would pray. They'd have gardens. They had a pool. I'd be with one set of grandparents on the weekend and one set during the week. And I felt so loved, and there's nothing like, and I know so many of you quilters out there, we're grandmas, and it's such an incredible ministry. And now that we're older, right, we don't get to tell our grandparents, so many of them are not around. I still have my beloved grandpa, Bill, who's 94, and my grandmother passed away three years ago. Beautiful, precious Italian lady who just taught me the value of love. I didn't ever feel yelled at. There was always enough food and kindness, and I am so grateful for and my other grandparents, the hand workers. My grandmother was so sweet. I was just telling my son the other day that my great-grandmother, I would sit with her and have hot grape nuts and cinnamon toast for breakfast, <laughs> and I still think of her. It's still an emotional thing that I think of, and actually my, my mother passed away last year, almost a year ago, well, um, this month, and so when I think now, my mother's a memory, and my, my grandparents were a special, beloved childhood memory. They they come out to California and take us to Disneyland and stuff like that. And when you're on welfare and your mom's struggling to be a single mom, someone coming and taking you to Disneyland, man, it was a huge treat. So all you grandmas out there, we'll just keep, as our, as our grandkids invite us in, as our children invite us in, they open up the door because a lot of us, a lot of my sewing lady friends, their kids are not opening the door in their life. A couple of my lady friends their kids have almost disowned them and there's so much brokenness in the world so I just want to celebrate all of us as grandmothers and moms and pray that we just keep trying to be in their lives mm-hmm. so tell me how you met your husband well I met my beloved husband Mike in college I was 17 my birthday is late November and I started really early, and the first Bible study I went to, I became a Christian when I was 16, and actually when I was uh, 17 years old and I started going to church in college, my dad kicked me out of the house because I was a Christian. I was a good student. I was on track. I'd never been the kid who got in trouble, and he kicked me out of the house because of my faith. So that's kind of a huge part of my story. So uh, I went to this Cal State Fullerton, which is, we call it Cal State Disneyland in our <laughs> county. If there's any Southern California people out there, you know that. Uh, and I went there and I thought, I really need to find some Christian friends. So I signed up for all these Bible studies. And the first one I went to, I went to this prayer meeting and I met this smiley guy who had this Hawaiian shirt on. And he's like, hi, my name's Mike. And you know, I was a California girl, and let's just say the California girl, you need your space bubble, but those Minnesota farm boys, they kind of like, you know, are more friendly and emotional. But anyway, I did think in the back of my mind that first time I met him, I wonder if this is the one I'm going to marry. And it didn't take long for me to see his personality, how much he cared for people. I saw his heart for reaching out to people and sharing the gospel and Seeing how I was doing, we always had the best friendship and talking, and 
as a freshman in college, I made the decision that I didn't want to date until my senior year because I really wanted to focus on just getting my life and my relationship with God straight first before I added any more. So Mm -hmm. senior year, he had been patiently waiting for me all those years. (laughs) And we started dating January of my senior year, my last year of college, and he's three years older, so we had graduated. And we had talked and we're friends throughout that time, but it didn't really take long. We dated for, uh, well, it was actually in April that he told me he loved me for the first time. He's a, a serious man who doesn't, he's fun too, but doesn't mess around <laughs> worse. So I knew that he was probably going to propose, and two weeks later he proposed. And so in 1989, I graduated from well, I started dating Mike at the beginning of the year. We got engaged. I finished and graduated from college. I had six college student women living with me with this couple. They were away from the summer, so I was in charge of the whole house, partially with another lady for this whole summer. And I graduated from college that June. I ran the household and then got married in August. And then in September, got pregnant. And then a year later, we were sent as missionaries up to Seattle from California to plant a church up here. So that's kind of how our early times went. So now you're still in Seattle, correct? Yep, we're still in Seattle. Uh, you know, fast forward a little eight kids later, we did a <laughs> house church for 15 years, and now we're part of a bigger church where I got to meet my uh, sewing people. So, yeah, we're, now we're part of a bigger church. After we did a house church for 15 years, it just kind of ended. It was time to do something new. And one of the great blessings of my new church was I signed up to be a mentor at what was then North Seattle Alliance. And my mentor was a quilter. Ah. So that jumps down to our question of who introduced you to quilting. Before my husband and I, when we first got married, we lived in California. We had six college students living with us. It was kind of part of our church. We were just helping, like, train young men for to be missionaries. And we had a Bible study. My husband and I, we had met at that Bible study, and then we served in ministry together on college campuses for years. And then we had college students live with us. So we had a home for college students. I was through my pregnancy and till our daughter, our oldest, was a year old. And my husband said, you know, we should have curtains for this house. What do you think? And I'm like, okay. And he said, I'll buy you a sewing machine for your birthday. And then <laughs> then you could make curtains for the house. And I was like, you think I could do that? And he said, yeah. So my birthday, he got me like the cheapest singer you could possibly get. <laughs> I think it was like, I don't know, 100 bucks back then. And there was a lady from the church I was going to. Uh, her name's Leslie. And I asked her if she would show me how to turn the sewing machine on. And so she did. We spent one hour together, and she showed me how to turn the machine on. <laughs> And I made curtains with 
uh, balance with this beautiful little edge and the tie back. And I actually made curtains. My husband just helped me, and I just kind of – there wasn't even Google back then, people. So it's not <laughs> like I could Google or watch any of those great little Texas whatever videos and be like, oh, I know how to do – no. I was – I don't know how we figured it out, but the house had curtains. and I was pregnant, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, maybe I'll just learn – uh, try to make some clothes for my daughter and stuff like that. So that was my early start to quilting and sewing. <laughs> Neat. So besides quilting, are there other crafts that you have done? Yeah, I. what a great question, Paula. You know, for the person like me who doesn't feel like they're very artistic, or talented, when I started thinking about it, I thought, you know what? I have done other things. I used to do cross-stitch for pillows, and I would do a Bible verse on them. So when people would get married, I would have something personal that I could give. I kind of taught myself calligraphy. I'm still not very good. There's those women, and you women out there who are great at calligraphy, shout out to you. It's impressive. But I get by. And now I've Googled more things, but I used to just, like, I bought the kit at the store and just try to follow what it said in the book. So I'll write verses for people's wedding. I'll ask them what's the verse that's important to them and write their date on it, you know, that kind of thing, and frame it. So that's another thing that I've done. Cool. With eight children, how would you have any other time for other hobbies? <laughs> well, that is so right on, Paula. With eight kids, I really didn't even have time for friends until our youngest is 14 now. I think when he was about seven or eight is when I started going to like a girl's night out or stuff like that. I just didn't have a lot of time for that kind of stuff. But I've gotten to explore and like I go to the quilting retreats at church and that's such a blessing for me. We have all those kids, so we have we started some fantasy football leagues. So I've been a commissioner at fantasy football. My husband is too. And I I just won four medals last fall, which I'm <laughs> kind of excited about. I'm feeling like it's kind of a skill. <laughs> I I'm really good at words and I like playing word games. I should give that credit to my mama. And also, I think I really like to cook. That's something that's really exciting to me that's kind of a, an expression of art. I'll just look at things or I remember thinking, oh, I want to learn how to do pies or I want to learn how to do this. And you just, or I'll go to a restaurant and I'll make a dessert and I think, hmm, I wonder what's in that. And then I'll try and recreate it at home. Now, I don't do this all the time. There's only so much time to spend in hobbies. Really, my main hobby is just <laughs> being in my kids' lives. So. One in our oldest in eastern Canada, pregnant with her third on a farm. Second daughter, Hannah, she lives in Fairbanks, Alaska, and she has worked at a Bush Pilot Airline and different things. Her third daughter, Havla, is in El Paso with her daughter, and she got married a year and a half ago. My daughter, Havla, got married. And Josiah is in San Diego, preparing to serve God in far-off lands. And then our daughter, who was in the Eastern Washington and college is home now because of the quarantine. And our son, Micah, who was going to Willamette in Oregon, is also home 
now in Seattle for the quarantine time. So really my hobby is hearing the sweet voice of my grandkids, <laughs> sending a cute little emoji on the Snap family to my kids. My 19-year-old just told me this morning, Mom, your Bitmoji game is strong. And for those of us trying to figure out technology, consider that a great compliment. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been making quilts? So I've been married 30 years. I have been making quilts, I think, for 29 years. And I feel like such a poser saying that because I'm sure a lot of your ladies on here are just real quilters and they love it and they do this all the time and it's their passion. And I really am a project-based girl and I haven't had time to sit and really immerse into it for the love of it, but when we first got married, I made it a log cabin quilt. Wow. And I still have it in our cupboard. It was forest green and kind of that wine, burgundy colors that were in for a while. And I still have that log cabin quilt. And that's Indeed. what started for me. Is that your favorite quilt? Actually, no, my favorite quilt sadly got burned up in a fire. Oh, no. <laughs> Our oldest daughter, Naomi, lives on a farm, and she lives in a community, kind of a commune kind of a situation. And for her wedding, she got married five years ago. I made her this beautiful purple and teal quilt, and it was simple, just squares next to each other, and I had fussy cut this beautiful peacock, and mm-hmm. there was this beautiful peacock in every other square, and I just love those jewel tones. The jewel tones make me so happy. Well, they had moved from Chilliwack, Canada, to Kingston, and they had a tub of their stuff still at a friend's house, and that friend's shed burned down, so the two wedding quilts that I had made for Naomi and Nathaniel and the kids had gotten burned. And I was so sad, but I was glad that I still had a picture of it. That was my favorite quilt because I was just so drawn to the colors and the birds made it so bright. Wow. When you're quilting, do you have a favorite tool that you use? Okay, yes. Good question. (laughs) I love hearing what people say on that answer. On your podcast, Polly, I really like your questions. You do a great job with that. But these are really important questions to quilt. <laughs> so I, confession here, I'm a little bit OCD. Any other OCD people out there? <laughs> Let me just say first before I say my tool that, yeah, my mother passed away last year and a couple of years before she passed away, she gave each of the kids a little all of five of us each of a few thousand bucks and just said, I just want to give you a little bit of inheritance now. And I thought, well, I don't want to just buy anything with it. I want to buy something that I'm a very sentimental person and I wanted to get something sentimental and emotional that would kind of be something to last. And so I got a Bernina sewing machine. Wow. Woo-hoo! So 
and I got the embroidery attachment and all those kind of things. And I interviewed a lot of my sewing friends and asked what would they think. So every time I pull that sewing machine out, I think of my mom and what a blessing it is that she gave it to me. She was really good at giving gifts. And the first thing I made for for her was I embroidered a, a pillow that said for Grandma Jean. But what I love is when I set up all my sewing stuff, you know, I love bringing in all the, you know, the wheel, this and the that, and then setting up that padding thing underneath the sewing machine so you can put your scissors in and all that. And my favorite thing, though, is opening up that Bernina armoire. I love putting the little feet out and setting something <laughs> on my sewing table that my friend Nora and Elaine and Bronwyn always set me aside a table when we do our sewing days at church. And I open it up just to look at the feet. It just makes me so happy that it's all in order. And then the little bobbin thing, the little bobbin holder where you have all the colors all neatly around. When I feel like all my little order tools, so anything that's bright and in order, I love. What's your favorite part of the quilting process? Like I said earlier, I never felt like I was very good at art, and I really feel intimidated when I join a sewing group. I always feel unconfident, even though I've been sewing for years. Mm-hmm. And I have learned over the years with my sewing friends at Alderwood Community Church and my friend Cheryl, who was at North State Alliance, is I think I'm pretty good at picking out fabrics and colors. The way people remark, I think I might have a little bit of artistic <laughs> gift that kind of grows. And the longer I quote, the more I develop the confidence to know what I like. And really, I really enjoy putting all those colors together and lining them up side to side. It's, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Do you have a worst quilting experience? Well, I feel like half of my sewing life is is a challenge. (laughs) I'm the one asking for help at the quilting (laughs) retreat. And, yeah, but it's also one of the joys to work together as teamwork. We really believe in our sewing group in quilting by committee. One person will pull out their quilt, and we all give opinions. And people say, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. How can I help with this? Or what do you ladies think of that? Or I'm just getting this going. Or does someone remember how to use this? But it's kind of a really wonderful collaboration. I love I love hearing all the hum of the sewing machines going. I just think it's a little bit of heavenly music, seeing all the women working around together. And for me, my quilting year started alone. I was making a lot of stuff by myself at home. And when I was pregnant with our first child, I thought, why don't I make, I know, I'll make maternity clothes, and I can make clothes for my daughter and for her doll at the same time, you know. So, basically, I had this giant knit teal striped fabric, and I sewed my armhole together. So, (laughs) I was not able to put my arm in the armhole. Yeah. So even though it was it was my worst mistake, it was so funny. I think I have it up in a memory box. 
And I saved my daughter Naomi's little shirt. I made her a little shirt. I have one picture of her wearing that shirt and her little doll wearing the shirt. And I know there's a picture of me with that dreaded uh, maternity (laughs) thing that I was so proud I had made. But, yeah. So why do you make quilts and who do you make them for? I'm a hunter and a project-based person. Some of the ladies in my quilting group, and they're amazing. I love them. One of my friends has an entire bathtub full of fabric. Uh, you should see our sewing closet rocks. Elaine and Nora from our sewing group, that sewing closet is organized, donation-based. It's incredible. And I, they make quilts for burn victim camps, and they do it for domestic violence and for emergency vehicles. So we have a sewing group that meets every other Tuesday at our church, and that's been such a blessing. I always pop and say say hi, and I haven't been able to participate in that group because I was a mentor mom or my other mom group meets at the exact same time. But I always pop in and say hi, and I'll help drive the quilts up to drop them off at the camp. <laughs> I've done that a few times, so I feel blessed that way. But I primarily, personally, do graduation quilts. And I'm still working on my son who graduated last year because that's when my mom passed away. I was all packed for a sewing retreat, and my mom had been in the hospital. And I said, Mom, I'll come the second you say, come, I'll take the next flight out. I had just finished packing for a five-day retreat where I was going to finish my son's graduation quilt last year, and I got the text from my mom, come now. So I took that. Within 10 minutes, I was fully packed, and my son was driving me to the airport. I bought the first ticket out to go spend that time with my mom and I have not picked up a sewing machine since because I was about to go to another two retreats and then we had quarantine time. So Mm -hmm. the quarantine took away two of my sewing times to finish the quilt, but I drew a graduation quilt and it started with my mentor mom friend, Cheryl Lobby, who has been so sweet and helped me along the way when I got my Bernina, she came over and she's given me lessons and she's like, anytime Meg. And I was so thankful to have her as, I meant wrong, but she helped me with my first quilt. She's helped me with a couple others since. But since I got the embroidery attachment and I can do my own, I've done embroidery on two quilts so far, the entire thing. And I do memory squares. Like for Micah, I interviewed each person in the family and said, what's special about your relationship with Micah? And then they'll say, well, we always drive to school together and we listen to this great radio station. So then I'll do an applique of a square that has, a car with a little radio blurring and music notes in it and the kid's name embroidered underneath it. Or my husband would call him Flicko, so I would write uh, Dad in a picture of, like, a little applique emblem that represents our relationship. So it's very special and personal and emotional, and it takes a long time to do. That is what I've been doing over the years, primarily the last decade, because that was my sixth out of eight graduation quilts, and I'll have another grad next year. <laughs> and then I do them also for weddings, and I've made some baby quilts and baby pillows, and it's such a blessing. Neat. Do you have a tip? Um, I say for tips, it's okay to ask for help, right? My sewing group is so friendly and 
my oh my friend Nora, she said three years ago, oh why don't I just do a sewing class for the moms and daughters at church? So she for twenty bucks each, she said just bring two sewing machines, mom and kid or whoever. I'll teach whoever how to sew. And Nora's physically not able to move very quickly, but she's so bright. And she pushes past all of her weaknesses and her I can't and just says, I'm going to have a sewing time. And you know what? My son, who was 11 years old, made a quilt that day. And he knows how to sew now. But the fact that she did that, and I think just the people around us, right? Don't they say that you're the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with? And Mm -hmm. I feel so blessed that I can ask friends for help. And so... I try and just pay that forward, too, when someone's learning, I'll invite them in in whatever avenue that I can to pay forward what God has blessed me with and taught me if I can use what I know to help somebody else, that's a good day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my list of questions. Is there anything else you would like to share with me? Oh, I realized I forgot to say one of the things. I do for a hobby also is podcasting. I'm a podcaster. It's been kind of a fun way to be creative and artistic. I have an Instagram account where I get to kind of design the artwork I want for each episode and figure out when I want to do, but mostly the podcast is called Letters from Home Podcast, and it's extraordinary faith stories, everyday extraordinary. So just people like you and me that I want to get their stories and see how God has worked in their lives and in some way try and capture it for their families and if it would encourage other people out there in the world as well, I podcast. So got like a big lineup of people that I'm interviewing and I just actually put out an episode for moms that are in quarantine and how can how can I help them with discouragement and anxiety that they're facing with their kids. So like I was saying earlier, that's one way I, I feel like God's blessed me. And if I can encourage people and bless the world a little bit more, kind of like you're doing, Paula, here on this beautiful quilting podcast, if I can bless people with my podcast, then then I'm really thankful. And my, oh, and I think if anyone wanted to listen, it's at lettersfromhomepodcast.com. And I'll also have that in the web page under Meg's episode, so you can find it there. Thank you, Paula, for having me. I am thankful for your friendship. I know we'll get to meet face-to-face someday, and you've been encouraging. We've messaged each other and talked on the phone a couple of times, and I'm thankful for you, Paula, and for your podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for sharing with me, Meg. I really do appreciate it. this episode of A Quilter's Life, you can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Thanks for listening.